Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland, and I am one of the attorney bloggers on The Legal Geeks. This is a special podcast because we are at my comic book store, Elusive Comics in Santa Clara, California, where they have built a podcast room. And with me is a good friend who is an attorney, and his name is Cameron. Cameron, say hi and introduce yourself. Hello. It's great to be here. My name is Cameron, also known as The Festival Lawyer, and I really enjoy being here. I can't believe we're really in the digital world to have a podcast room set up here. It's wonderful. In person. In person. Normally, we are remote because, as many of you know... I can see you right now. I could reach out and touch you if I was, you know, so inclined. But that would be assault. (laughs) (laughs) We also have Star Wars toys. We got... Pops, we got Black Series action figures from Rogue One because we are here to talk about Rogue One. I'm stunned already. What night did you see it? I saw it, actually, I'll tell you, I saw it Saturday morning at the 9.30 show in the morning. I didn't know there was a 9.30 show uh, of Star Wars, but yes, I saw it first thing in the morning, which I've never done. I just knew it would be a good time to get in there and see it. It was wonderful. I'm pretty sure movie theaters could be selling day passes. I know. And people would just hang out because it's Star Wars. Yeah. So let's let's break down some of the legal issues. For those who haven't read Cameron's blog or follow him on Facebook or, or Twitter, uh, he does criminal defense, uh, you do a little civil work, don't you? Yeah, so the festival lawyer, my, I work for, uh, I'm a criminal defense attorney for a firm called VIV Law in San Jose. I've been doing that about 10 years. Before that, I was a deputy DA for about 16 years. And um, about three years ago, I started writing a blog called The Festival Lawyer. I currently write a, an advice column called Ask the Festival Lawyer, where people write in their questions. Might be things like, hey, I have a friend and... You know, the police stopped him. How should he handle that at this music festival? It's a lot of music festival uh, goers who will ask me questions, and uh, that's what I do. So, who is your favorite band? You can't ask me that. It's like, what's, you know, what is my favorite, <laughs> what is my favorite child? I don't know, you know. I, I, it's funny because I, Spotify had their, what is your, what were your three bands that you played the most this year? And every year I'm surprised by who it is. And this year, I have all people, uh, all groups, I played The Clash the most this year, and it was because I'd sort of introduced The Clash to my kids, and I feel part of a dad's job is to teach his children good music and good movies and good books. I mean, you've really got to sit down and say, here's some stuff that I really hope you like, and they love The Clash, and, and The Clash was actually sort of making a little comeback because they're in uh, Stranger Things and, mm-hmm. and some ads, and so the clash would be definitely my top five. So I'll I'll say that just to be on the safe side. Good call. <laughs> I'm glad you're raising your kids right musically. <laughs> you, you have you really do. It's a really important responsibility. I don't think people take uh, seriously enough. No, it's you have to get into. Here's the good stuff from the '70s. Right. Here's the good stuff from the '80s. Here was the different veins that we had in the '90s with the different directions things went. I, if you, I, I, don't, I almost never get along with somebody if I say what kind of music do they like and they say whatever's on the radio. I almost never can vibe with that. I mean, I, get, I like them. I'll get along with them. So, but I'll never be like a close friend because it's like, what are you talking about? You, you don't have a favorite type of music. You don't have songs that you speak to you. Come on. Yeah, that's just weird. I mean, it's just... It's just weird. It's like saying, I don't like Star Wars. Because when somebody <laughs> says that, you just look at it. It's very... Right. It is a really a big red flag when it's like something huge and iconic and they're like, 
I'm not into that. It's almost like I'm doing, I'm saying this because I want to be different and I want you to hate me for, for having this opinion. It's like, are you purposely a contrary? <laughs> you just want to be a contrary. It's exactly. like, did, what happened in your childhood? <laughs> did you not get enough attention? Is yeah. that what's happening? Did, yeah, that's true. Did, did your parents not take you to see something or, or did Jar Jar so scar you that you just couldn't recover? Like, what happened? Well, how old were you for when you first, when you first saw Star Wars? I, I'm pretty sure I saw it when I was three. Wow. At a drive-in. You know, that's wow. the drive-in that's now the Century 16 in Mountain View, mm-hmm. which ironically was my first job when it was the Century 10. And I have vague memories of it. I think I saw it also when it was either re-released or on TV. But I do have nascent childhood memories of it. Uh, I have vague memories of the Christmas special. <laughs> Like that were repressed, and right. so like they've occasionally like start leaking through, and it's that, it's like that moment where you see the character in the rainstorm fall to his knees and scream no. It's a lot like that. Uh, but Empire was the one that I clearly remember because I was five. Right. My mother took me to see it at the Century Twenty One in San Jose, and it was the line going through the parking lot. So we were on a blanket on that hot May nineteen eighty day as we were you know snaking through the line and my feet didn't go to the end of the seat and my mother god rest her soul loved telling a story that i would just sit i sat there and did not move or blink the entire (laughs) run time of the movie and thus a legal geek was born exactly (laughs) how about you which which i was uh 14 in summer 77 so i you know i'm older than you obviously and uh i but so i was a a a member of the sci-fi club at Mm -hmm. my high school i was a sci-fi nerd and i went with my sister i didn't really know what was was about to hit me and it's it's funny how i was like sort of the perfect age the perfect demographic everything i was like 14 year old nerd boy bingo i was like this is it this is wonderful and then, you know, my friends and I, we all spend all this time after what's going to happen next. And it's so different now because there's, I, I always think the experience is so different with movies and so forth where you, there's so many sources of information about, you know, the trailer and the casting rumors and who's writing the script. And there's the sort of push and pull of the audience to say, well, you shouldn't have this character or I hope they keep it this way or whatever. Before, it was none of that. There was just nothing. You might maybe see a magazine that had some pictures of a, of a you know, a sh- of a set design or something, but there's just not these... It's so different now. It's bizarre to me. Yeah. You know, there was a difference between waiting for an issue of Starlog to right. come out or right. Famous Monsters. Famous Monsters, right. Something in, in that category. Uh, the fan base in the 70s was actually inspiring when you think about the first conventions that were taking place. Um, I'll loan you, if you haven't seen it, something called Back to Space Con, which was about the first Star Trek conventions in Northern California in the 70s. And then how Star Wars was part of it, because when Star Wars came out, basically everyone who was a Star Trek fan was also a Star Wars fan because everybody loves Mm sci-fi. And seeing what they did and the costumes that they made with this 16 millimeter footage is inspiring. It's like, Mm -hmm. God bless them. It's just, it's (laughs) like you you try not to tear up looking at these folks who, you know, like the kid who made a TIE fighter costume with the body being his body and like his arms were inside of it and his wings. It's like, you look at it's like, 
dude, rock on. <laughs> it's, we should have more of that. So that's the positive side of fandom in, in that time period. Today, like when I, the Rogue One trailer came out or you know the for, first Force Awakens trailer came out online, basically North America shut down for 20 minutes. Yeah. As literally everyone in the country was not working looking at the Star Wars trailer. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because yeah. that's, a, that's a different positive experience. Now, some folks on Twitter, I'm like, they can, they can be overly passionate and they can take it too far. And that's not attractive. Like, that's mm-hmm. not fun. I mean, I do like being surprised. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know everything. It's okay to go like, wow, that's Tarkin. That's awesome! Right. Yay! This was, I think this was really, I, I'm not entirely sure why this was, but this was one of the first sort of big movies where I really didn't know very much at all about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of liked it that way. I, mm-hmm. I, there was a lot of things that just surprised me. And I was like, wait, what? Now, who's this? You know, and it was it was a nice experience. And so I think there's, there's always that, that balance between getting excited about stuff and and you know, sharing that, and then knowing almost too much about it, and, and you know, then not really enjoying the experience of just sitting and watching a movie. But this was a real—I didn't know it. I, I walked in blind, and it, I was happy for it. Yeah, I knew I knew enough, but there were things I did try to avoid knowing. Yeah, you know, because again, I want to be surprised. Right. I'm okay with not knowing. You know, I I like that re- reaction of like, wow, they, you know, digitally recreated a character. It's like, exactly. Cool. So here's the warning. There will be a ton of spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film yet. Yeah, why are you listening to this? Yeah, yeah, so kids. <laughs> hit pause. What are you doing? Yeah, what are go, you doing in your life exactly? I decided to listen to this podcast rather than go see the movie. No. Yeah, it's wrong. It's a wrong you did the wrong way. We're not that awesome. <laughs> we're good. But we're not that good. Go go see this this work of art. Now you, you might enjoy here us playing movie credit, but we're lawyers, so let's talk about some of the legal issues. So let's let's spitball three issues that we each saw, and what's one? Do of I, the, I don't um, have three. Do you have three? I, let's uh, do your three because I'm on your playground. See, this would be like if I if I brought you down and said, "Who's your favorite bands at Coachella?" I think I could stump you. So we're 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 on here. Oh, you, you, <laughs> yes, you would. I, yeah, I like me, I like music, but I'm not good. <laughs> so I think so. I think we're on your play. But go ahead. Let's hear it. Let's hear a topic. And so the first one that really jumped out at me, you know, while watching it, yeah. was and not thinking about it afterwards, was the hearsay issues of Galen Urso's hologram. So, how would you authenticate that? How would you get past the hearsay issue? Because grabbing the little disc that had that would have been super helpful. <laughs> and, and letting the, the rebellion know, like, hey, this is a problem and we need to do things. Yes. Because there are some other issues at play with that as well. Yes. I'm trying to think of something that's helpful for you to continue this uh, dialogue. Okay. Have you ever... Because you, know, you have tons of trial experience. This is true. Have you ever authenticated a videotape or audio? Yeah, I mean, um, here's here's the thing that's kind of crazy, and, and this is, uh, I don't know if this is going over your topic or not, but it's kind of the similar, which is you're now getting to the point, so that the traditional way in courtroom that you authenticate most stuff is you have somebody come in and say, 
I took this picture, and it's a fair and accurate uh, depiction of the scene. I was at the scene of the crime, and I took a picture, and this is what I look like. Or you have someone say, I recorded it, I recognize my voice on here, and it's accurate, and I didn't alter it in any way kind of thing. And that's sort of the standard way you do it. Um, but you're now getting to the point where um, the last... I've seen a few things that have been startling in terms of being able to take something, vi a video, alter the video to make it look like someone is saying something, or to alter the audio to... to seamlessly make it look as if so it's it's become to me it's the first thing I thought when I saw these kinds of things I think you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about several things are coming out on the horizon now where the issues now of authentication and like is this a genuine video of this is this a genuine audio of this, I think are just really thorny right now it's going to become even more so when you've got such an easy ability to manipulate stuff and that's where computer forensics comes in with how was the data collected right. What methodology was used? Because if it has been messed with, you know, a forensic investigator can determine that. Well, that's that's what the people I work with do. Right. So it can be done. But when you think about the fact that we're now merging, there's the computer forensic aspect of this. Right. Then you get, which is part of the chain of custody and authenticating it, to the next stage of, is that your dad? Right. You know, right. Sure, it's been 15 years and you were five when you last saw him, Jen, but is that your dad? Right, right. right. And, and she should be able to remember her father's voice. True. So just from that, I was like, okay, she should be able to authenticate that if she had to explain to the rebellion leadership of like, that's my dad. Mm -hmm. And this is him and this is, you know, you can too can listen. But don't you still have the same problem, which is, it's just one, which is, when you, if you don't, want to buy into it if you're like i don't think this is real well the the the, uh, the empire must have made this video and it's i don't know that it gets you that much further to have that piece of evidence does it yeah it's <laughs> something you do have to take on faith so, that right, you gotta hope the force tells you what's which way to go or something because i don't know that having the it can you can always uh, do play it that way which is oh they must have made it or corrupted it or changed it yeah which gets into other issues because at that point it's like so you trust nothing right, right. <laughs> okay this is going to be really hard for us to proceed because right. you don't believe anything you're the most extreme contrarian we have well you've sort of summed up 2016 in a nutshell mm -hmm. which is pretty much now that 2016 is really the year of people saying well that's just your opinion like it's like yeah. everything is now you know well that source i don't trust this article i don't trust this person it's like oh, mm -hmm. we don't trust any of these agencies it's like What's the bottom here? Where we keep seeing sinking is like that's uh, that's where yeah, we gotta yeah, land. Yeah, yeah, the post facts society. <laughs> it's a tough one. Like, what do we believe anymore? It's, Who do we trust? I don't know. It's, I'm asking you. I'm only gonna look at the <laughs> news sources I want to believe. Right, so it's tough. You know, my pro empire news sources, right, exactly, or yeah. my pro rebellion news sources. Right. It's tough. Yeah, it's the. Uh, you know the the force puff and uh, like that's the only thing I read or or uh, news system yeah you know pick one pick mm -hmm. pick whatever and and you have today's society summed up in Rogue One so that's that's one issue and I, I do think they could authenticate the hologram much the same way we would do an audio clip voicemail uh, cell phone video I think. Her saying, here's where I got it from. I recognize what's being depicted here. Yeah. It's my dad. He's older. Yeah, about that. I'm not going to argue with that about that. Yeah. So then you get to, 
what he's saying, because that's hearsay. Well, he's describing the flaw he purposely built into the Death Star so it could be destroyed. I would say that's a party admission, because what he did was commit high treason. And so you wouldn't admit high treason unless you really did it for the purpose of, I want to be able to blow this thing up, and here's, here's the way that you can do it. Right. The Declaration Against Interest. Uh-huh. Yeah, because he's saying, he's saying um, I'm saying this even though this is probably getting me killed. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's good. It may be... Trying to go where eh, he's not really a dying admission. I'm trying to get anything else. We're not there. When, when he does die, you know, and they do reference a dying declaration. Dying declaration, right? Which I thought was like, hey, you actually used the right legal term right. of art. Just snuck that into the movie. <laughs> Uh, but when he's, I've seen it twice. And when he's dying, he, I think he does say something like, "You have to destroy it" or something, something along those lines. But there's no direction on where to go. That's still, that was still in the the, the holographic recording that only she and saw, right. saw and listened to. So that raises some issues there because his dying declaration really isn't that helpful. Other than he was glad to see his daughter before he died, so some some interesting you know spins there because it's like <laughs> you totally write the right thing, but we actually don't have a have anything helpful. <laughs> so uh, it's interesting how the I, I, what, what I was thinking was during this movie was how there was this whole movie sort of created to explain what's been people have been you know talking about for 40 years now, which is like, why would you leave this exhaust port? It's crazy. Like, when they did all this money and they left this little... I, I think it's wonderful that they turned it around and and said, oh, actually, there's a pretty good reason for it. You know, here's what it is. And I, I, I love that. I love and, that about the movie. Me too. Yeah, me too. Right. It, was like, it was like, it's the same reason why the Death Star doesn't have handrails. Right. <laughs> you know, slick floor, no handrails. Yeah, that, that one, that's, that's a totally safe work environment. Right. Yeah. It's, it's it's well named because people will slip and fall in there. <laughs> so there were issues that I saw with conscription, you know, because with Galen taken at the beginning, and that raises interesting draft issues. So I, I did a little research with our Selective Service Act that you could have retired military people and you could get recalled mm-hmm. uh, for up to two years of service. With Galen. You know, it's like 15 years and he's still there. So, and the reason he was doing that was for full-on uh, sabotage. And like, that's the only reason why he's there, because it would have been built without him. So he, he's not a collaborator. He's a saboteur. And he's playing the long game in order to do that. So like, okay, that's... Yeah, they really should have had somebody check his work, you know, because I feel like if you... <laughs> I, guess the, I guess the idea was he's so... Um, he's so no one else can figure this out but him. I guess that's the idea. But I, I did, you know, it's sort of like laughing later, thinking, well, this seems like the guy that you want to have someone uh, take. Hey, let's go back over his measurements and his calculations because you know we did force him to do this, and he killed like people in his family, and we just <laughs> shot his wife in front we of shot his wife. <laughs> he might not really be on board for all this. But yeah, he's good. I'm sure. But I, I but yeah, the, so conscript, conscription, huh? Yeah. What are the rules with the? I'm sure the empire doesn't care. No, because it's it's an empire, right? <laughs> and you know, it was fun seeing the discussion about we want to bring peace and stability to the galaxy. It's like, no, you're confusing peace with terror. 
Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, like, where have we heard that recently? Right, exactly. Yeah, so they, they did a nice job like trying to tighten that up. The other thing that jumped out at me is uh, Cassian murders two people. Yeah. And so the first one, I mean, it's easy to forget, but when he's talking to that informant and he's the one that learns about Urso and, you know, the, the Death Star... And the informant has a broken arm or whatever and can't climb out. After they're, you know, found, he shoots the dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, completely unjustified. I mean, if you want to play the spycraft game, you could say, yeah, it's justified because there was no way to get him out. If he's captured, he's going to talk, and then we're going to lose the Civil War and we're toast. So you can make the necessity defense, but the necessity defense doesn't allow you to kill. Right. So that one's super messy. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because um, the issue of what what are your sort of how do we treat um, spies or rebellious subjects under international law is not too good. Like usually, if you're considered like you're not a legitimate um, force that's in, a, in an army, you don't seem to have a lot of rights that can sort of just shoot you at will. And um, you're, I think your sort of only hope about getting off, if you're, if you're uh, you know, shooting on behalf of the rebellion, you got to hope you win because then everyone's like, ah, it was cool. You had to, sort of had to do that. But, you know, yeah, he's going to – it's not it's not a good thing. I, um, it's interesting because I just, I just read a book about uh, Winston Churchill and how he was um, captured in the Boer War and he was sending all these letters saying, I was just a – I was just a newspaper reporter. You got to mm. let me go, and I'm not competitive. But he was actually had a pistol and was shooting people during the course of when he was captured. And they're saying you really shouldn't have been making all these admissions and all these letters because somebody could turn around and say, "Well, we agree with you. You were non-combatant, but you were shooting people, so therefore you're a spy. We get to execute you." So yeah, I think if you're a spy, it's all your all bets are off. Yeah, spies get shot frequently. It's pretty much shot. Yeah. And, and that's scary. In <laughs> uh, this, I mean, when I think of the Cold War, mm-hmm. I knew things were done. Well, let me rephrase that. I personally don't know. I suspect things were done that were murky in order to keep us from getting nuked. It was ends justifying the means so that we continued as a species on the planet. And that we don't have Planet of the Penguins right now because Antarctica would not would be the only continent not hit with a nuke. Right. So I, I get it. But spycraft is dangerous. It's scary. We only hear about the failures. Right. We don't hear about the successes. And from a geopolitical point of view, what he did makes sense. But it's still dirty and wrong. Yeah, I think I think that was really something I enjoyed about one of the things I enjoyed about the movie was there was that very um, sort of grittiness for a Star Wars movie, but the grittiness of like you know without going overboard. Mm-hmm. There was there's really they were did a nice job of keeping the balance there because I think when it starts getting too you know cutthroat and when sacrifices have to be made and they shot this guy. It could easily have gone off the charts of the, you know, of a, of a Star Wars appropriate film, but they did a nice job of making it gritty, making it real, but not making it too grisly, in my opinion, at least. Because it's quick. It was quick, yeah. It was, there was things, and you kind of like, yeah, you got, got killed, but mm. you're on the next. <laughs> yeah, very quickly. It's, <laughs> and let's see if anyone remembers that later. Right. I mean, the other one was on Jeddah, where he shot 
one of the freedom fighters with a you know that had a grenade that was going to be thrown and from the perspective it looked like it could have landed near Jen because it looked if she was using the hover tank as cover at that point in time right so with that one I do think he could have had a good defense of others right because it's like well the dude was going to throw a grenade I need her alive so I can find Saul Guerrera because if we can't find him we're screwed right and the rebellion dies so shooting this guy with a grenade was the right call, or at least defensible. And under Empire Law, he's good. He's good. You know, mm. I hey, I was defending those guys in the, in the <laughs> cover tank. I was being a good citizen. What do you want me to do? I had to shoot that guy. He had, to, he had a grenade. But juxtapose that to Jin saving the little kid, you know, who's suddenly in the middle of a firefight, separated from her mom. I don't know if we've ever seen that in Star Wars before. It was a very war movie-ish scene and a lot of war movie-ish scenes in that movie mm-hmm. that was a sort of a classic um war movie sort of i don't want to say trope because that sort of knocks it but sort of you've seen that in movies where somebody's a little kid there in a firefight and one of the soldiers is like i can't I, I, i'm a dad or i'm a you know i'm a human being i gotta go do something about this yeah definitely yeah they focused on the wars right part of the title right more so than the stars and right. it worked so those are some of the things that jumped out. But what else did you like about the film? Um, it, it really was. It's, it was a really wonderful film. I, you know, I, I don't know if you have this sense, but whenever I, I see a film that I I, I want to like and mm-hmm. I'm really I'm looking forward to, I always have a few minutes where I'm kind of like, am I in good hands or not? You know, is this going to be okay? And and just the first few minutes and then the scene where you know you've got the they're holding up the stormtrooper doll mm-hmm. i'm like as soon as i saw the stormtrooper doll in the in the what are they i can't remember the what are, which the uh, uh, uh are they shore troopers whoever the guy the, the, black, death, the death, death trooper when you see him holding up the stormtrooper doll i'm like okay we're gonna be fine like okay. this is we're in good hands this director knows what he's doing or she does i don't know who he, is he it? goes uh what, garth edwards he yeah. he also did godzilla which made me a little nervous right because I, Godzilla was a great, horrible movie. Like, despite all this that they spent on the script and all the things that they did wrong, there was a lot of fun to it, and they they made it work. But there were some big plot holes. This didn't have gaping plot holes, right. at least none that jumped to mind. Right. And it worked, and I think he did a really nice job. Really nice job. I thought one of uh, there's a couple things I big sort of themes that I really like. One is I like how big the universe felt. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the some of the movies you're sort of jumping between three planets or and you're going to the sort of the same locations and you don't get that sense of this is a huge universe with tons of species and tons of races and and it's I like that aspect of how big everything felt um, I also um, I really liked uh, you know it's always I, I hate to bring up the prequels because it's such a uh, it makes me sort of sad when mm-hmm. I do, but the when you when you the, the midichlorian thing mm-hmm. wrecked so many people's you know the whole idea of the force. It killed the, the magic. It killed the magic, and there was, I think, a really a conscious effort to restore that sort of spirituality, magic, belief in something bigger than yourself. That the the force you don't have Jedi's here, but you have people who believe in the force, and you can see that. 
they can do amazing things just because of that belief or because of that. And I really like that uh, that aspect of it of, of restoring that. The force is just cool. It's not your blood level. <laughs> yeah. How re- how religious are you? <laughs> I, I took my Catholic test. Right. Uh, exactly. I have I score high on Catholic cells in my body. It's yeah. such a horrible idea. Like I just I want to go back in time and just yeah, please it's, don't do that. Please, so, please please. I'll even take Jar Jar Binks. Just stop with the midichlorian. It's such a bad idea and. And I liked that um, belief part of it that was that was put in there. I think it's a nice touch. I, I did too because I, I hope I'm pronouncing you know, the character's name correctly. But Imwe, yeah, he, you know he represented faith. Yeah, and the blind guy who knows how to roll heads, get things done, not by no means a Jedi, but definitely sensitive. Right. And he did a really nice job representing faith. In, right. in, in a not in an over-the-top way, not in an obnoxious, luxury way, but just as a matter-of-fact demonstration of faith. Right, and I think that um, um, Force Awakens with uh, Han Solo, who's sort of the ultimate cynic and everything, mm-hmm. you know, him saying, yeah, it's all real. And combined with this, there's, there's been a nice sort of stepping back to what I think one of the big themes of Star Wars, which is that idea that, you know, belief in something bigger than yourself and that there is ultimate good, there is ultimate evil, and you can choose sides on that. And that is, it's nice. They, 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 I was really happy to see that. That and there's always a mentor. Right. In Force Awakens, Han Solo took the Obi-Wan Kenobi role, which just with the arc of that character is pretty astounding because you have the cynic, you have the ruffian, the scoundrel who, right. who does shoot first, you know, be the mentor, be the dad-like character. Right. And in this one, you don't quite have that. You know, you have, I mean, there is a dad. Right. And so you do have the, the father-daughter relationship. And the impact of being taken from your family and, and losing your family. So that's there. But from a mentor perspective, Imwe's more like the uncle. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different. Yeah. Because you don't have a clear mentor-mentee relationship that you do in the main stories. Mm-hmm. And that's new and different. Yeah. There's a, they, yeah I, I like that they broke ground for a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Without without wrecking anything, <laughs> there's a lot of new and exciting things here, right. and, and I'm happy to see them. Right. It was it was good without anything like we're like, oh, why did you do this? Like, why did you make this part of it? You know, yeah, exactly. So, who was your favorite character? Yeah, um, is his Chirrut? Is that yeah? Is that his? I, I, he is my favorite. I, he was. I you know. I think that. I, I would say we're never going to get the same, well, I won't say never. We haven't yet had a, a film yet that's had the same characters and character developments as the original sort of Star Wars, where you just got these wonderful characters and you see them evolve. And like you talked about, like Han Solo, mm-hmm. where he's this sort of renegade, but by the end he sort of found his place and found his own little family. You don't really have that. So I think that's one thing that the film is lacking a little... Lacking is even too strong a word. That's one thing that if you had a nitpick, you don't have those sort of characters that you see the development on. 
But he's a wonderful character for that movie because, like I said, because of the faith, because of of him sort of saying, "I'm not a Jedi, but look at these look at these things I can do just by believing in something." That and he's a fair amount of the humor. Humor, mm-hmm. yeah, he's 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 great humor. He's also a badass. You mm-hmm. know, he's just tearing things up <laughs> with his with his, his, uh, his sticks and everything. It's just amazing. It's cool and a fun actor. And fun, right? Exactly. I th- I think he had a good time. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. again, if you're an actor and cast to be in a Star Wars movie, the answer's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Where do you want me? We're gonna do this and yeah. for you, Imway, definitely. Nice. I, I, I just. I, the issue of faith, I thought, was nicely handled. The action with him was cool. Mm-hmm. The humor, you nearly hit me. Or, right. Or it's like, are you serious? Right. <laughs> serious, exactly. It's rock on. But he's also the warning sign about, does he look like a killer? Right. So they, they do that. And in, in his final walk with, you know, I am one with the Force and the, and the Force is with me. It's like, cool. I mean, right. it's, it's, it's in a space. Been on the Apostles' Creed to a right. de- to a degree, right? And like that's neat, right? So I really liked him a lot. Uh, K two was awesome. K of course. Uh, I liked Jin. You know, uh, 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 Kenrick I thought was a good villain. Yes. Uh, Tarkin. I love seeing Tarkin because he was in the first film. He was so evil, but he was cool and cold. And in this one, pardon the pun, he was a tad more animated. <laughs> I f- Did you think about that pun ahead of time? Because that's a good, I mean, that's okay. All right. I didn't know who we were supposed to come with. All right. I, I do that naturally, <laughs> and I don't, sometimes don't even right. re- recognize it. I do think he was a little more like he is in Star Wars Rebels uh, or an episode of Clone Wars, where he's a little more verbose and a little more active. So I think they favored more the animation series than they did the first film i could be wrong on that and i'm sure there are a lot of hardcore geeks that would analyze that to say what's his character right. you know like more more consistent with but i really like seeing tarkin right and the fact that he was recreated by cgi didn't bother me speaking yeah i think that's a and that's also a legal issue too mm-hmm. to talk about which i you know i think that I, it was startling the first time I saw him. I, I didn't. I didn't know that was coming. Surprise! I um, was startled and was sort of looking around with to <laughs> the theater, like, "Am I seeing this? Is this what's happening? Is this like old footage? Is this?" And then finally, I was like, "Okay, it's, it's they're, they're digitally doing this." But I thought it was seamless. I thought it was um, amazing and really. I think creates some interesting. I think I sent you the the mm-hmm. link to the article about this. Uh, uh, my impression was that they they'd gotten the rights from, from his estate. Yeah, is that, is that kind of what happened? And so, um, but I mean, boy, it's all kinds of. It's a brave new world when it comes to that, where you can start to put in uh, people from. I think I, who is it? I thought that article is interesting because they were saying that they got the they they'd received the um, or they gotten the rights from his estate, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Cushing's estate, and um, that most states have a have a limit of how many years. Before you can start to freely use somebody's likeness, except for Tennessee, was it Tennessee? Yeah, that had gotten because Elvis have yeah. perpetuity that you can never you can never use Elvis's, which is kind of awesome too. Though. Well, that makes sense because he's, he's the king. Yeah, yeah so, it's like, of course. that's the right call. <laughs> right, yeah. right. <laughs> they, they can't do the, like the bill just for him, right. the Elvis bill, and this is specifically for Elvis. 
that I don't think that would be legal. But we do have, you know, in California, our I believe it was originally called the Jennifer Aniston rule, that gets into the right to publicity. Uh, There was a brisk ad. I think it was in summer of 1999 that was Claymation that had dead actors in it, like doing dancing and everything. And right. Those estates went nuts. Right. Because it's like, my dad would not be okay in your soda commercial. Right. Right. And, and we're not getting paid for it. Money can make a lot of those problems go away. True. I mean, it's always, there's always a, a balance there between you want to let people have some fair mm. use because they can do awesome stuff with it and it's super fun to see what they can do. But on the other hand, you don't want people getting ripped off of their creations that they've spent all this money and effort and time on. Well, that and somebody's likeness. Or their likeness, their yeah. persona, their whole life, work. Yeah, of course. Yes. Go get permission from the estate. Right. And that's going to be okay. So there, there's my legal issue. Uh, Dang, I had one after all. You, you did. You did. Now, <laughs> now, here's an important question. What did your kids think of the movie? So I haven't, they, they haven't seen it yet. They okay. went on a trip. They went on a Christmas trip with their mom. Um, and this is, I've only seen the film once, which okay. is unusual for me. You normally, like Force Awakens, I saw it once. Um, I, I saw it like three times over the weekend between, mm-hmm. between my kids and my my, my nephew. So I, I saw all these. And this time I haven't, I've only seen it the one time. Okay. So. When they come back, I'm going to go see it again. It's, it's, I, I, um, there's some little debate about, you know, is it too gritty? Is it too dark? My kids are 10 and 13. My son um, would be fine. Mm. I really think my daughter would be fine with it too. I think if you have kind of youngish, sensitive kids at my, what do you think? I don't think it'd be the greatest thing for him because there is a, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people die in that movie. Yeah. So, I saw it with my cousin, and yeah. I'm, I'm a year older than him, so we grew up playing with our Star Wars toys together, and he had the Hawk Defender set, I had the AT-AT, and so many happy hours as a child. And he has sons who are five and eight. Yeah. And initially I said, like, I feel a little wrong leaving your sons at home and we're going out. It's like, I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> They'll see it this weekend. And after we saw it, he did think it would have been a little intense for the five-year-old. He was a little concerned about the eight-year-old. Yeah. So he said, I'm going to have to talk to him first before he sees it. And they were going to see it with a bunch of other eight, eight-year-olds eight for a birthday party. As a, you know, and I think we've talked about this a little bit maybe already, but having a strong female lead is such a nice thing when you have a daughter. Well, it should be for anybody, but mm-hmm. for a daughter especially, um, you know, when we saw Force Awakens together, she was immediately like, where can I get the radar? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> can, <On. laughs> I, can I be her for Christmas, you know, for Halloween, I mean, and, and, um, and it's, 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 it's nice that they've, that they've seemed to have fully got the message on, it's good to have a strong female lead in these films without, you know, you don't need to have all guys here. Exactly. You know, there was this myth in Hollywood that I'm told of, again, I'm not prepared, you know, saying it, recreating it, but this is what I've been told by my brother, who's the starving actor down in L.A., of there are people in Hollywood who believe that you can't have a woman as a lead, you can't have somebody of color as a lead, that it's supposed to be like a white dude who should be the hero. Mm-hmm. And Force Awakens blew that clean out of the water, mm-hmm. and Rogue One did it again. Mm-hmm. And 
It's like, look at the action figures that, that I've purchased. It's like, I'm more than happy to go see it and it doesn't bother me. Because it's fun. It's a good story. And that's what matters. Is it a good story? Right. And the fact that we have geek girls who are now out of the closet. Right. I have, a, like, my aunt grew up watching Star Trek and she was a geek in the 60s and 70s. A good friend I went to law school with. Diehard Star Wars fan. I didn't know that about her in law school because she didn't want to tell people because she was afraid of how she would be judged. Right. And now that stigma has gone away. So it's okay to be a geek regardless of gender or ethnic background because everyone loves spaceships. (laughs) It's like, do you want a lightsaber? Yeah. Right. Who Uh, It's something's wrong with you if you don't want the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Maybe a good blaster. But anyway, so there's that that we have. Uh, why else do you think people love Star Wars? Boy, I you know, um, I you you were kind enough to let uh, help me um, uh, moderate a panel with Katie Sackhoff and Bassar Galactic mm-hmm. at the latest Alien Con. Mm-hmm. And I was saying that the best science fiction um, and the ones that resonate and the ones that have, you know, continuing where everybody loves and goes on and on, um, have these big themes that everybody loves. You know, for Battlestar Galactica, it was like, how do you how do you still be a decent person when the world's ending? So it's a good film to yeah. like watch. Yeah. Not a good series to yeah. watch now. Yeah. <laughs> what can we, what, what, why, whatever do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, but it's, you know, and Star Trek has that sort of hope in a future where everybody can sit down and yeah. have a federation and talk to each other and work stuff out and, and that it's not a big deal to have people of color or women mm-hmm. working in positions of power or aliens. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's like everybody just kind of gets on with how do we make things better. You know, and I think, I think Star Wars very... I mean, they, they they hit it really hard, and but it was deservedly so, which is hope. You know, mm-hmm. it's that idea of like no matter how overwhelming things are, you and your plucky band of rebel friends can can bring down an empire if you're if you're if your mind you know heart, strong heart and mind is clear and you're committed to a cause, you can you can do these amazing things. And plus, there's always you know original Star Wars is that classic thing of. You know, when you're a teenage boy and you're, you don't get the world and everybody, you don't get your adult, your parents and you don't understand women and all this stuff. It's cool, sort of the same way that Harry Potter is cool, which is like, well, maybe I'm a wizard. And, <laughs> and, and maybe, maybe the reason I feel so different is because I am special, you know, and I, I'm not just weird. I'm a Jedi, you know, like there's that kind of that aspect to it. And I think that's always played into, um. Star Wars is that idea that hey, you can have hope and, and, and also the specialists of people. We we all want to be looking off into the double sunset. We do, gosh, right. isn't that, that true? We we all have that moment. So and, many callbacks in this movie too, by the way. I mean, so many Easter eggs and and yeah, the, references to the cockpit know. footage. I thought was the most astounding. Yeah, amazing. The fact that they found it was like here's unused. Footage right. from the first movie with the actors in the cockpit, right. and the fact that they went back and added stuff into the script so they could have the, those shout-outs. People cheered. 
Right. It's because when they realized, like, gold leader standing by, it's like, people lost it. Right. And I thought that was awesome. I thought that was such a nice homage to those actors Mm -hmm. and to the original movie. And the fact to see those guys not get taken out because they all die at the Battle of Yavin. But here's like, here's where they won one. Right, right. With great sacrifice. But they, you know, those guys lived to fight at least another day. The other thing I really loved about this movie is where it ends, New Hope begins probably like two, three hours later. Right. Like, that's phenomenal. It's like you could literally watch them back to back. And that will be surreal because it makes the trench run at the end for Luke even more powerful. Knowing what was paid in blood to find that. Right. When is the appropriate time to talk about what a badass Darth Vader was and and, and how nicely they used him in the film, too? Because that scene where he's just ripping everybody up and is like, (laughs) tearing through Rebels, the scum, like left and right, is wonderful. It was brutal. Right. But it it made up for all the prequels and the, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) The whiny Anakin for, for the first you know, for the prequels. It's like, okay, you guys get a free pass for that now. All is forgiven. It also means that when he fought Obi-Wan Kenobi, he was holding back, and the purpose was to have a discussion. And in Empire, where he fights Luke and he's doing it one-handed, he's just toying with him. Mm -hmm. Because he could just slaughter him. Mm -hmm. So that's also interesting. Mm -hmm. But I love the Rebel Defender, you know, outfits and seeing those guys and just, you know, that final scene with trying to get the data. Yeah. Brilliant. 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 It's just really well done. Well, we're coming up on the time here because there's going to be gamers coming to this room, so we do need to... Wrap it up. Exactly. But how can our listeners find you on social media? Um... <laughs> Twitter. What's your what's your Twitter? I mean, the reason I'm laughing is because I used to know all this by heart, but this is my off season right now because oh. festivals really start up around April. Um, it just if you do a search, here's the thing: if you do a search for the festival lawyer in any web browser in the world, I will come up immediately. There's no. I, I used to say I was like Tigger. I'm the only one because uh, there's like. Uh, it's just there's no nobody out there doing the festival lawyer. So yeah. you just type in the festival lawyer. I'm on Twitter at at, at the festival. Don't worry about it. Just hit, hit you'll find me. I'm I'm out there. It's easy to find me. Also festivallawyer.com. I have a website. I have articles and stuff on there. All kinds of articles. I have infographics, um, different things of you know sort of a flow chart. If a police officer stops you. Here's what you should say. Here's what you shouldn't say. All these kind of things are always there. Nice, and you're on Instagram and Instagram. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm annoyed that we keep changing our social media platforms. You know, it's was it is it Tumblr? Is it Instagram? Is it Snapchat? What, what's like? It's like VHS and Beta. Like, can I just have the Godfather? On one, do I have to keep buying it? Like, how many? I bought like eight copies of The Godfather now between yeah. DVD and to, like to Laserdisc to DVD stop. to Blue. Yeah, it's like, can we just agree on a social media platform and all get on there together? No, because we're in Silicon Valley and we're about innovation. <laughs> right. So somebody this one is better. Someone in a dorm room is going to come up with something really cool, right. and we're just going to go like, "Well, you get a nice house in Atherton." Well, yeah. the, the real reason is because what happens is old people start to get on the social media, like Facebook, and then every 
group, the young people are like, this sucks now because there's old people on there and they know how to use it. So let's find something that young that old people won't understand and go there. It's you know the grandfather on Snapchat, right. send, yeah, sending snaps to the grandkids. It's not gonna happen, right? Mm-hmm. He's not gonna know what a Snapchat is. No, no, it'd be weird. <laughs> uh, even though my ninety-five-year-old grandfather is good on email good and t- yeah, yeah, it's it's like rock on. But no, he's not on Snapchat, Instagram, or Facebook. Right. But, but he can email, <laughs> and he's good with his computer. But with that, everyone. Thank you for t- tuning in. Special thanks again to Elusive Comics here in Santa Clara. Check them out. And, yes, they do ship if you want to order stuff from them. Nice. And, of course, my good friend Cameron Bowman. Thank you so much. So this much. Is- big fan. Big fan. First time caller. I don't know what else to say here, but <laughs> you're, you're awesome. Love it. Love what you're doing. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Good time. I am one with the force. And the force is with me. With me, definitely. Thank you all, and uh, stay geeky, America. Stay geeky.